Ladies and gentlemen, support for Inside the Mind of Miles is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, Manscaped just launched in the UK, Greg. Uh, I, I just need to ask, do you have any personal history or grooming stories you'd like to share with the fine listeners of Inside the Mind of Miles? Oh, man. You know, they can, I mean, if they it. type in the word miles on Manscaped, they can get 20% off a purchase. Oh, I might have to hop on that afterwards. I, yeah. I, I don't know if I have anything that's, I'd rather share it in a locker room than in here. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, um, you know, uh, this can be a life-changing product. Uh, this is what they tell me right here. So uh, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest um, private area trimmer ever created. Just released now is the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. The third generation trimmer features a, a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce, are they trying to talk me into this or out of it? Uh, to reduce <laughs> grooming accidents. Uh, it's waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Uh, one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates a grooming area for the closer and precision <laughs> grooming. That's what I, I gotta have it. Uh, <laughs> let's not forget it's got a charging stand. So you just, you can set it right up there, right? And it sits right there. You know, I, not too I think, close to the shower. Well, I think what I would do is store it on the, um, in the formal dining area on the dining room table, invite my in-laws over for dinner. Centerpiece. Yeah. And just see, see how that conversation <laughs> goes. Show your mower off proud, it says. Because you've an intelligently designed stand for a convenient charging block powered by a USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, folks, I want you to experience it firsthand yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MILES, M-I-L-E-S, at manscaped.com. You get 20% off and your privates will thank you later. I wonder if Craig, that's our read. I'm blushing. <laughs> that takes a lot, coach. You know, what else? What was our other one? We had another read. Um, it was really a good product, I'm sure. I, I know it was. Yeah. I think it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. <laughs> But hey, here we are with another episode of Inside the Mind of Miles, and we also have Sammy Cam. Sammy Cam. Yep. And hi, baby. I know you're right here. And uh, uh, what a week in college basketball. Just never disappoints. Crazy, crazy week. I mean, we had Shock on last week, and, you know, he, he had a pretty good game. Run it up on him. Just run it up on him. I mean, come on. And, yeah. and uh, 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 I mean – Great, great action across the board in all the different leagues. Northwestern has been a great story, although they've now kind of, uh, you know, well, everywhere you look, there's a ranked team in the Big Ten. And mm -hmm. Minnesota is really another cool. alumni of Inside the Mind of Miles. Uh, Richard Patino, Liam Robbins was really good all week. I think he mm -hmm. had, uh, uh, well, like what Luca Garza would have in one game, he had in two, which are great numbers. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 28 and 16 in two games. Uh, and and I, I just think that, uh, the you know, the Big 12 with what Texas is doing, the SEC, uh, you know, as they're getting into league play now coming up, 
uh, I think it's really interesting to see how all this is shaken out. Yeah, it, a, lot, a lot of good games this too. So, I mean, ACC yeah. is going to start ramping up. I know they yeah. had a couple games canceled over the weekend. Yeah, and Gonzaga, first Big Ten game canceled, uh, Wisconsin-Penn State. Gonzaga is really, you know, uh, Jordan, J- uh, uh, Jalen Suggs' dad, Larry, played at Valley City State University when I was at, uh, I think, Mayville in Southwest. Okay. Yeah. Going way back. Good small college player. Yeah. He's been at Louis Lee Fieldhouse, folks. <laughs> so New Year was good to you? New Year, New Year's was good. Everything was good. You know, not at my in-laws this week. So got the background back. Back with the trilogy. <laughs> back with the trilogy. And what hat do we have on? This was the Christmas present. The uh, Pawtucket, it's a Pawtucket hat, but it's the fighting Quahogs. So they had the the creators of Family Guy come on, and they, that's what they needed. They changed the name for one night to the fighting Quahogs. Because um, in Family Guy, that's where they live. The, so the Griffin I family figured it was something. It had to Quahog. be, yeah, yeah. And your shirt, of course, is. Uh, uh, oh, this is a just Disney one right here, Massachusetts. A, oh yeah. Does Massachusetts have its own land and food like in, in the Epcot world, like all those other places? No, but if you go Eat to the U.S. Bread or anything area, great? It's, it's lobster. Lobster. I lobster. believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So uh, any resolutions for your new year, Coach? Anything, any personal uh, uh, things you got for me? You know, I think my resolution this year is what every coach says every year. Watch film. Yeah. But watch more film. Yep. Got to, got to watch more film. Got to get, you know, I can't, I haven't watched it yet, but I can't wait to watch, uh, you know, the, the 26 point comeback that we're going to talk about here oh. later with our guest. Yeah. I tell you what, Nico Medved's our guest today, folks on inside the mind of miles. They just set a mountain West record for coming back after being down 26 points in the first half, largest margin of, of, um, of what a point margin uh, to come back on. And uh, wow. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was funny because the uh, uh, Florida game ran late on CBS. So by the time I got it in there, it was like 28 to six. So I'd already <laughs> seen most of the whipping, you know, and ended up like 36 to 10 or 36 to 12 or whatever, 38 to 12. And, and then they got going. And it's a really, it's a fascinating conversation. And it was funny that ironically, this was just kind of how it worked out for us. And so, uh, it was great to have Nico on. Um, of course, I worked with him at, and you worked with him at Colorado State. We were there. You were there one. We were the rest of us were there five years. And uh, Mountain West is uh, that that staff, you know, Craig Smith at Utah State. They're off to a great 4-0 start. And then, of course, DeMarlo Slocum, who's the associate head coach at UNLV, uh, was with us for four years. And, and he is uh, uh, about to start Mountain West play. Uh, but it should be a fun year in that league too. That's a, that's a league that is, you know, now going to be featured on Fox sports. Certainly it's always on uh, CBS college sports, uh, but it's going to be out there more often. I think that people can watch it. So that'll be good. It, and it's such a good tight knit community. I mean, everybody speaks so highly of Dutch and, and how good of a person he is. You know, there's definitely a lot of camaraderie, you know, Alfred's back in there. Yep. He was at New Mexico and now he's in there and um, a lot of great coaches in there. You, yeah. you asked me about my New Year's resolution. I had a couple questions for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go, so, boy. Um, first one, what, what would Isaiah Roby's New Year's resolution be? Oh, man. Well, every time I start, I get 22-7 and seven in an NBA game. So I think it would be <laughs> to be a starter for the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
<laughs> it's crazy how many times we rep that out in practice, him not dragging his foot. And then yeah. when you watch the replay, he doesn't travel. And that's the one league in the world he can get away with the travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Dabo Sweeney. Not basketball, but Dabo Sweeney. Uh, filter? <laughs> <laughs> Easy rider. <laughs> um, last one I got for you real quick. Sammy. What's Sammy's New Year's resolution? Uh, she's got to lose 10 pounds, man. <laughs> like, she me both. She has not missed a meal. Like, you know, and that's just not a thick winter coat. You know, it's not like she's up in the Arctic circle trying to protect, uh, you know, uh, the varmints from getting the house or anything like that. She's just hanging around, eating, snacking. She, she got to get her act together, get out and get some exercise. <laughs> I like it though. Uh, coach, I tell you what, this should be a fun, fun broadcast. I look forward to what we're doing here. And uh, on behalf of Coach Eaton, we have no clothes today. We're the open, just to switch it up a little bit. I like it, but thanks for joining me, Coach. And now we bring to you Nico Medved on Inside the Mind of Miles. Thanks for joining us on what is perhaps or most likely the world's greatest podcast in the history of mankind ever. Thanks, folks. See you, E. See you, Coach. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Mind of Miles, which we know is the greatest podcast in the history of mankind and again it stays on top because we have Nico Medved head coach of the Colorado State Rams how are you you stalwart Ram you must be feeling great today after a big win against San Diego State in the Viejas Arena uh, I've, it's, it's a great feeling and, I, and, and I'll say this it's so weird I actually kind of missed the show you know I kind of missed oh, yeah. the the fans in there and I, I went to Dutch before the game and I said, you know what, Dutch, I really missed the show. And he's like, so do. And I said, no, I know you really miss it, Dutch. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but I tell you what, when they were on that, you know, we were down 26 yesterday. I sure as heck didn't miss the show. I'll tell you that much. Well, this is uh, your eighth or ninth trip to, to the show. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you, of course, you and I worked together at Colorado State and now you're the head coach at Colorado State after Drake and Furman stops and, uh, and, and, so, Nico, greatest comeback in Mountain West history, 38 to 12. Adam Thistlewood hits a corner three, and you had to be thinking, now we go. <laughs> no, like, what was going through your mind? I, we've all been there. I, I, one of my favorite sayings is, if you're going to get down, get down early. <laughs> you got the rest of the game. Talk to me. Believe it or not. I, I was to myself, well, we all, I joke about that with you all the time. I had that going through my mind, but once it got to about 20 or 22, I'm like, I, I, ugh, this is pushing <laughs> it to a whole nother, a whole nother level. But I think at that point, you know, we, we really challenged our group and it was just, let's not worry about anything else. that we just gotta, we gotta play better here for, you know, a, a short stretch and try to get into some kind of rhythm offensively. We made a lineup change. Um, we'd been pretty good defensively so far this year. They had made a ton of, uh, of perimeter shots. They're a good shooting team, but I didn't know if they could keep shooting it at that kind of a clip and needed to challenge shots a little bit better. And once we started stringing a few stops together, um, able to get into a little bit of a flow on offense, like you said, Thistlewood, a couple of our veterans knocked down shots. It was really interesting about, you know, then that next stretch, the momentum really started to change and you could feel it on our bench and in our staff that we started to get some confidence, but we weren't, we weren't thinking at that point about, Hey, how do we cut the lead to this or that? It was just playing better. And sure as heck, we went on a big run and um, went into halftime down seven and we were feeling pretty dang good at that point. You know what I mean? We were feeling yeah. pretty good. Well, it's amazing when there's a certain amount of bottoming out 
that goes through an event like that, where now there's incredible level of freedom and kind of calmness comes across the guys. It's almost like a, well, screw it. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you've quit worrying about the outcome and you truly go back to growth thinking, process thinking, let's just do what we do better. And that can be really, really good for a team. I think that's a great point, coach. I mean, you just kind of let it go a little bit. And I'm not, let's forget about when all this stuff. Let's just right now in the moment, let's focus on what we need to do to just play better, you know, to play our game, to do what we need to do. And I think that's kind of what happened. And then boy, it just, it kind of snowballed and you're right. I thought, Hey, if you're going to get down, get down early, but let's never forget. Let's never forget. We still prefer to do the other way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, if given the me, choice. Hey, a wise person told me once, if you don't get behind, you can't lose. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> wise person. It, yeah. You know, um, when we talk about that process, though, uh, it kind of reminds me of what Nick Saban tries to do with an elite talent winning a championship that, you know, if we can get in this certain mentality where only all that matters is us doing our job as well as we can do it as often as we can do it. Great things can happen. And, and that's really what I thought the lesson was with your guys' comeback last night, because once you did get to halftime, certainly, I mean, you make out a huge 14 0 run to cut it to 12 and then yeah, yeah. still battle back, you know, mm-hmm. and end the game on a big run. And so that, that I think that first run never happens the last run never happens unless you get the first run, of course, you know, and get that to just around double figures. But the art of that comeback, you, you know, what'd you change coach? I mean, what did you have to do differently? We know anybody that's played in the West has to understand San Diego state is like a big 10 defensive team. They're punishing They're physical. You look at the, the, I mean, they have men. Sometimes you're out there and you got this skinny rat running around from, you know, Laramore County High School. And, and, and I mean that in the most affectionate way. And they got some dude that's like 23 and you're like, oh my goodness. And, and so, you know, what did you have to change? Because one of the hardest things to do is score consistently against yeah. a San Diego State. Yeah, you know, D- Dutch had, they had a really good game plan, you know, really kind of ambushed us a little bit uh, with kind of how they were handling some of our actions. And I think what, what changes, we, we went small. We decided to play small and put Roddy at the five. And we had been doing that. We had planned to do it, but maybe not as early as we did. But, and I thought that really helped us kind of get in a flow and maybe take advantage of some of their switching. We were able to get in the paint a little bit more, um, kind of got them chasing us around a little bit. You know, got there, there's, as you know, Miles, they're so hard to get in rotation. I mean, yeah. like you said, they're so long and they're, and they're in the gaps and they, and so I think we were able to do that a little bit and, and knock down some shots. And then we're pretty good in transition offense. And when we were able to finally get some stops and get out, space the floor early and maybe get like, we talk a lot about our getting to the next action. They disrupt it. Can we run some action to get to the next action? And then from there, you know, our spacing I thought was really was much better. And we got five guys out there who can shoot the ball and put it on the floor. And I think we really had to combat it that way. And then, you know, you know how it is sometimes when you do that, um, I don't want to say you take away their pressure, but their pressure isn't as effective and you kind of get into the flow of the game and then they're not taking you out of as much stuff. And uh, we were able to get them on their heels a little bit. So, I mean, I think that's the basics of the, of the schematics. And we were able when we were small to still hold up on the defensive glass. That was a huge concern of ours, but as we were able to do that, we could get some rebounds and get out and transition. And San Diego state only had nine, two point field goals in the game and shot 12 free throws. So even though they made threes, we were able to keep a team that big 
you know, not scoring yeah. in the lane. And, and I thought that that was big. And you always say the, the easiest shots to offensive rebound are ones in the paint, you know, yeah. and, and he shot and, at the rims, a good shot. Yeah. And, he, and so I thought we did a decent job that way, but really I thought it was the decision to go small, uh, maybe attack their switches a little bit different. Um, and, you know, David Roddy's just such a versatile player. And, yeah. and I thought really was able to take advantage of them. Sophomore six, six out of Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul area and uh, has really done a great job for you. You know, the one thing about attacking pressure like that, Neek, when you look at it and you and I again work together and have been friends for a long time, even before we work together. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like one thing your transition does to a punishing defensive team is you're really able to get down and shoot it before they can get you, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, those, those transition shots really give you, if it's something well-practiced and, and emphasize what, and, and the CSU Rams are like that. You're a transition. To, you're going to try and score in the first, it appears to me, five, six, seven seconds of the yeah. clock. And, and that, you know, those first couple threes, I think Kendall Moore maybe hit one and Thistlewood hit one, right? Yep. Um, yep. We're corner threes, and they were just before that defense got a chance to eat you up. Now that loosened it up. Now you were small. And, you know, sometimes when you're trying to reverse the ball against those teams, like we're talking about, you're like, I don't think we can get it to the third side because they're going to snatch it and take it the other way, you know. But you were able to loosen that up then, get that ball reversal and get that offensive flow and yet survive, like you say, being undersized and not fouling and not giving it up on the glass. And that and certainly it, continued the second half. Yeah, and it's such a fine line. I mean, they're so good defensively that, you know, that shot, that look that you get seven seconds into the possession, if you don't shoot that one, you're not getting a better one. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think, you know, if you trust your guys and analytically, it's a good shot for guys, guys who make a high percentage of those. And it's a fine line. It doesn't mean you just want to go down and shoot it quick. But, you know, we tell you got to be shot ready. You got to be yeah. ready. And that opportunity presents itself. And it's a good look. You have to be ready because, you know, that may be the best shot you get on that possession. Because once they dig their heels in on the defensive end, they are, boy, are they tough. Yeah. One of the biggest things that, you know, and I've talked about this with other coaches at different times. Uh, you know, it's the shot you don't take sometimes that kills your offense. Um, you know, sometimes I had some guys that, I mean, they, they could shot fake Casper the ghost. You know, it didn't matter. It's just like, what are we doing out there? There's no, shoot it. Shoot your shot, man. And, and you're right. I mean, they're a lot and they'll do that, Tim. You know, you get in those molds against good defensive teams where you shoot it when you should drive it, drive it when you should shoot it. They just, they're constantly keeping you off balance. But I think it's that, you know, when you really get into a flow offensively and we, we were a good offensive team last year, we're still a work in progress here, but I think a lot of times your best shots come in the first eight seconds and the last eight seconds. Yeah. It's, it's being able to play well in both scenarios. And can you keep your offense moving that if you don't have a great shot, can you keep trusting it? And oftentimes when you get really good and you're patient enough in your motion, it's that last ball reversal, that last screen where you finally break them down and Sammy, I love it. Says hi. Uh, hi, Sam. We're dog guys, folks. I know. Blitz, I have a, a big German Shepherd at home, too. It's the same way when I'm home. So, yeah. yeah. You, but what, you're, what you said is exactly right. <clears throat> and and when, you know, when you talk about the last eight seconds, what, what folks, what you have to see is, like, certainly you have to keep the ball moving the last eight seconds. That's okay. where the really the pass, extra pass, has to come in. If we're just going to drag it out, go middle ball screen and then throw up, you know, a, a crappy shot <clears throat> that maybe's offensive. But it's, 
how do you break down the defense or keep the ball moving? Maybe you do drag it out, get a middle ball screen, and then start spraying the ball out there. Maybe. Maybe you just keep the ball moving. And that's the best case scenario, you know, is when you can continually move the ball and get guys to attack to take that best shot. There's no better feeling when that thing goes through the net and the clock goes off to see the reaction of that opposing defense, is there? Man, and, and you know, you think about it, think about, you know, you tell your guys what happens. The shot clock gets to single digits and they panic. But, you know, you think about eight, seven, six, five. You got plenty of time. You just got to have, you got to have the patience and you're right it's very difficult to get to the third and fourth side against a team like San Diego state. But when you do like any team, you, you just, you, you have, you're, you're effective and it built, it takes time to build trust in what you're doing and to relax and to keep playing. And we're still getting there, but you know, like most teams in the country, when you're able to do that and trust what you do, that's oftentimes when your best shots come. But yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can do that against a team like them and you end up getting a great look late in the shot clock and it goes in, I mean, that's, that is gold. Well, you know, it's amazing. You talk about the seven, six, five, the countdowns. That's one thing the show used to mess with us a little bit on. Oh. I remember when I was at Michigan State, <clears throat> when we, I was at Nebraska coaching at Michigan State, we used to steal the little um, letters they put out for the students. And it would say in the first half, we're going to count up, you know, <clears throat> so we're going to count, you know, five, mm -hmm. six, seven, and it confused the guys. And in the second half, we're going to start the count at five. We're going to start at eight, seven, you know, the kind of confusion. So I'd steal the little sheet to tell the guys. Now, listen, the first half they're doing this and the second half <laughs> they're going to do this, you know, because you have to, I mean, you know, you like, it can mess with you a little bit and I've sure missed the crowds and I know it's been a big adjustment for you guys. And, and, and that leads me to this. Your next game is against San Diego State, dude. <laughs> like, um, well, how do you like these back-to-backs? It makes sense. It's the right thing to do health-wise, especially with limited testing. And and um, I know the bigger schools haven't had to do it, the Power Fives and all that. But it does make sense for the travel. And hey, you get four days in San Diego in uh, January. Not so bad. No, it isn't. It isn't bad. I, you know, we just we just did it against Fresno. It's different. Um, I kind of like it. I'm kind of trying to embrace it. We are as a team and say, Hey, this, you really get to do this in the NBA, right? Kind of a mini series. And this is so different for us. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, how is this going to make me a better coach? And uh, how can we learn to, you know, make these kind of adjustments and maybe it kind of pays off in a conference tournament setting, but it is different. I mean, it's very, very difficult. I think coach Lapis last night after the game came up and whatever said, you know, whatever, great job. And then he said, Oh, Nico. And by the way, he said, Good luck Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lap knows how to deliver and, a goal. You know, yeah. and, and, uh, and I get it, but you know, I, I think it's, it tests your maturity. You know, we were fortunate to beat to beat Fresno twice. Um, but you get up, you flush it. And I think you just got to take an unemotional look at the game. What did we do? Well, what did we not do? Well, how do we improve? I think you can't outthink yourself and try to think about every, what if my, yeah. you still got to keep the main thing, the main thing, but, um, you know this. I mean, it's going to be an incredibly high level of intensity, but it is every time you play these guys, whether we played them now, two weeks, three weeks, they're so good at what they do. And so, but I'm real curious to see how, how Monday goes, but we're going yeah. to have to play a lot better. We were still down 26 coach. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, we won the game, but I mean, there's a lot of things we need to be a lot better prepared for uh, to have success on Monday. Yeah. Nico, if we just look here for a second and uh, hang on here, Oh heck, I can't do it. Um, uh, I wanted to share my screen. Your 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 probability of uh, let's see, let's see where you were here. Um, did I screenshot it? 
It wasn't good. Oh, I know no, that. It was yeah. not. There it was. There it was right there. Your probability of winning, as you can see folks over here on the right, it, it, it goes from zero and then Colorado State way up there at the end. So your probability of winning was like a 0.05, you know. What does so, Ken Pomeroy know? Ken Pomeroy. Oh, he doesn't know. First of all, he's he's a great man and a meteorologist at best. And <laughs> and it's his damn computer that never liked us. We always know that. Yeah, I mean, us. come on. So uh, so so now you go back and and this has been a fascinating time. Mountain West really looks like CSU's right up there. Nevada's going to be pretty tough. Utah State's doing very well. Boise State looks excellent. Um, looks like there's some some clear teams at the top appears there's some clear teams at the bottom. Then it comes to how are we going to do against those middle guys? And some of those guys haven't even played like UNLV, you know, and, um, and San Diego state, is this their first game? Was that their first league game? This, yeah, this was uh, San Diego state's first league game. You know, they've been yeah. fortunate enough to, to play, but they had had a little bit of a break for Christmas, but yeah, this was their first league game. Really, you know, us and, and Fresno, I think Boise and San, uh, um, Boise had played New Mexico earlier than we had played Fresno, but now the league's really getting into full swing here yeah. um, um, right now. So it is, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. And I think I heard you mention this before. You, you don't, you don't have the same home court advantage, um, you know, clearly, but I think it works both ways. You know, you don't have the same at home. You don't have the same on the road. And so I think that it's going to be fascinating to kind of follow these scores and see and, you know, let's call it what it is. I mean, last night had the show been there. And if you've been there before, I played at Cameron indoor stadium and, and also when the, when San Diego state, the Viejas is packed, it is as good of environment as anywhere in the country in college basketball. Yeah. It, and you know, it's, it's just a different time zone. So people aren't, oh. you know I mean? But if you, when you live your life in that, those time zones like that, you really look forward to games at San Diego state. And you, like you say, it, your reference to Cameron indoor, any arena with a phenomenal environment is, is, you know, uh, the Viejas, uh, the show checks all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Your start, you're a Roseville, Minneapolis kid, uh, started with Clem Haskins. What made you decide after high school to get involved with college basketball? And Nico has the best Clem stories, uh, <laughs> folks. Um, and that. Clem, Clem had a huge influence on you, of course. And, and, uh, and I, we always referenced him when we had conversations, it seemed like, and a good man and a good guy to work for. You know, in a, the Cliff Notes version is, you know, when you grow up in the upper Midwest, like we did at your point, you know better. I mean, the only division one school in that area was the University of Minnesota, exactly. right? Everybody in the, in the northern suburbs, is division twos. Um, and my dad, you know, grew up taking me to the Gopher basketball games. I mean, I grew up going to those games as a kid, watching them. I fell in love with the program. Um, I was always a young person. I, I wanted to coach for whatever reason. I was crazy, but it was something I was attracted to, to teaching, coaching. Um, and I thought the, the, the coolest thing was I want to get involved at basketball at that level. And that was my opportunity, you know, to be able to do that. And I wasn't good enough to play at that level, but I wanted to get involved. I wanted to coach division one. I, I didn't really have another network to get me in. And, you know, Dave Thorson, who's now on my staff right now, he really kind of helped connect me to become a student manager, student assistant, work my way up. And I had a, just an unbelievable experience there. And, you know, Coach Haskins had a huge impact on me, the way he built the program, the passion that he uh, um, um, had for what he did. And then he got me involved with the Nike All-American camp with George Raveling at that point in time. And I think those experiences going there and, you know, I remember being, you know, working camp with Frank Martin 
and Steve might go on and on. I, I Frank, sorry, I won't tell any stories that'll you know, tarnish <laughs> your, your career. But I, I think that really changed it, the, the, the trajectory for me is getting involved and, you know, seeing firsthand how, how recruiting, uh, um, how things worked at that level, at the highest level of college basketball. Um, and then, yeah, I went and I, I coached Division Three after that for a few years, which was, you know, from the- Is that McAllister? Yeah, small college coach. People have no idea. I mean, you have to do everything. I mean, having that experience at that level is just unlike anything else. And I think as my career progressed, I think looking back at my time at Minnesota and there, you had to do everything that went on in the program, you understood, right? Yeah. From what the managers, the secretary to whatever, why you didn't travel, how you recruited, I could go on and on. And I think having that knowledge and understanding what people did and how those things work, I think really prepared me well for the future. There's no doubt when you know how the manager feels and you know how the third assistant feels and you know how the head coach feels and what's expected of everybody because you've been in those roles, it prepares you for something else. You had a great run with Larry Davis at Furman and, uh, and then you ended up back at Minnesota with Dan Munson and mm -hmm. inevitably then Jim Molinari. And uh, uh, tell us about those experiences, some of your favorite times being at Minnesota in two different capacities, Furman. Um, talk to us about those experiences, how it prepared you to be a head coach. Well, you know, I, that, that year in my life from Furman going to Minnesota, I mean, without, again, getting into the Cliff Notes version, it, it's, it's funny how life takes you to certain places sometimes in life. And going back there and getting a chance to, to, to work on staff at Minnesota with Dan Munson, who unfortunately, you know, was, was let go that year. And then Coach Mo takes over. Um, I'm there. And I'll tell you what, that year with Coach Mo and he and I working together was one of the best years of my life. And even though we didn't have a lot of success, you know, we developed, I think, an unbelievable connection and getting a chance to do that. And, you know, having him become a part of my life, as you know, on your staff was just was just awesome. And so I think that really prepared me uh, getting involved in so many different things and getting a chance to work with a guy like him. And then really, I mean, coach, a, a huge break after that was when you, know, you and I had a great relationship, but you brought me to, to Colorado State and we went in there and uh, um, built that program. And that experience really changed me. I mean, that was I mean, you, you've had as big a part of this as any is helping mentor me and, and become a head coach. You taught me how to, how to run a program and you gave well, me so much autonomy. Do you know what I mean? Is that, yeah, you know, yeah. I think Greg would say the same thing, you know, when he was there that both of our, you know, and DeMarlo too, but the, what you allowed me to do and what you taught me um, as a coach and all the other things that go into to running a program and what you do and the energy behind it, um, going through that and doing what we did when we got there, you know, how it started, how it ended, oh. um, was people have no idea, but going through that with you, you know, and the staff was just, um, the most invaluable thing. And then when I became the head coach at Furman, I felt like I was prepared, yeah. you know, I maybe wasn't prepared six or seven years ago, but going through that and seeing all the work that goes in and having the patience really prepared me. And I would not be where I was even close without having gone through that. Yeah, well, thank you very much. That's extremely generous. I, I know this, you got autonomy because you deserved it. I know talent, I know when to get out of the way and that's evident now. Uh, married Erica, two children, one dog. Uh, it's, uh, what, how's family life? Because you were single, just got married right at the end uh, of our run at CSU. Um, how's married life and being a father changed you? What's that like? 
it's it's i mean you've t- it's the it's the coolest thing ever i mean it's it's completely it does change your life in, in a positive way obviously but um the kids grow up like crazy one thing that's been i guess a positive from the the covid thing is my 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 first daughter Allie. you know i moved we mo- i moved from oh, yeah. Herman to drake you know three months after she's born before that then we moved again and so I didn't get to spend, you know, as, as much of the first two years at home um, with her Taylor, my youngest daughter, you know, is one I've been around and gotten to see these changes every day and be, it is just, it's incredible uh, um, to watch them grow and develop. And so I, I've enjoyed that piece being at home. And um, this is so weird for us. I'm on the road, I'm in my hotel room in San Diego and I'm kind of by myself right now. And I'm like, well, this is peace and quiet here. Yeah. Like, this yeah. feel like yeah. as much as, you know, that we get used to that, right? Yep. We get to go and like, hey, I get to just kind of be alone here yep. and in my thoughts. And, and uh, but this feels like uh, like a foreign world. So. No, I'll bet. Uh, have you had a chance to get to the South Beach Grill to have any fish tacos down there? I mean, that's yeah. the spot. Man, it is the spot. It, it, it's so different. You know, the, the travel is, you know, this is our second time in California, but it's it's different. I mean, you're you're here in the hotel, uh, you might go went for a run this morning, you know, by the hotel, but you, you're pretty much locked out. Yeah. I mean, the food service, everything's different, but um, yeah, we don't venture out much, unfortunately, because San Diego is a nice place to go. Back yeah. To. <laughs> yeah, there's some spots. Um, well, you can still get outside and get some vitamin D. So uh, that doesn't hurt you too bad. Coach, I tell you, as you've gone through this and, and you've done this, I, I, I for one, uh, have admired, um, you know, your ability one is like, for instance, you ran the spread uh, offense and, and you kind of recreated the a secondary, a faster um, way to play into the spread. You know, um, how, who had that influence on you? How did you decide to make those changes uh, schematically um, and and why? So the, the one that stood out to me, I remember when I was an assistant at Furman, we went to play Creighton, Dana Altman, and we had Kyle Corver. And we went to play those guys and it was a tournament and we ended up playing them. And I, I scouted and I watched them and I watched them play. And I immediately was just fascinated. I'm like, I love the way these guys play and the, what Dana was doing at Creighton at that time, I had that vision and I'm at Furman as an assistant. And I'm like, okay, like I could see this, you know, I, I could see it. And I thought it was so difficult to guard. It was unique. I thought it was a way you could, you could recruit to that. I love the spacing, I, you know, so on and so forth. So, I really kind of took a, an interest in that. I just started to learn. I started to to go and research and talk to different people. Um, uh, John Beeline, then is I was somebody. Say you're a John Beeline guy too. Yeah, is that a you know and in, in that way and just and then you just like everything else like you steal and then you kind of morph it into your own. And then when I became the head coach at Furman for whatever reason, um, even though I had done that as an assistant. It took me a couple of years before I, I, I changed. And then finally we committed to starting to do the spread and the transition and we took off, you know, we were uh, terrific um, um, for a couple of years in a row. And, um, and I've taken it with me the year we went to Drake, we did the same thing. And now I've won away from the straight spread here. We kind of do more of a, a lot of two guard front stuff, but yeah. some Princeton influence line. It's kind of morphed into the, the, uh, you know, thing we run some drift action, so on and so forth. But, you know, we have, we have a blast with it. We, we try to recruit people who we think fit. Um, I think that you have to be able to space the floor and shoot as, as this thing uh, um, changes here. Um, the teams are too long. They're too good defensively. Um, they're able to pack it in the lane. And so, 
um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how, how it's developed and turned into our own thing. We were, we were terrific offensively last year. We're a work in progress. I think some of that is experience. I think missing the three weeks that we had right before the season, I think really kind of hurt us. Um, but we're also doing some new things schematically that are going to take a little bit of time and some young guys who have a lot on their plate, but, um, I'm, I'm excited about, it. I think we have a real upside there on that end of the floor. Well, it's interesting. You talk about Dana and anytime I talk about Dana, of course, our friend, Kevin McKenna, uh, mm-hmm. who's one of his right-hand man, assistant coaches and folks, you're, you're only as good as your staff. And that's, you know, what we talked about earlier when you've got a talented staff and Kevin is a super coach, was a sitting division one head coach, left Indiana state to go with Dana. And he always told me he thought as they move jobs, and, and especially with transfers coming in, the spread or a set offense um, was always great to have to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. It defined roles that you kind of knew, you knew where shots were going to come from for the most part. And they've done a very good job too of, of integrating that, that, you know, difficult early offense with stretch fours and stretch fives and, and just all of those guys. Uh, they've done it at Creighton. Greg McDermott's now done it there too. And you've done it. And it can be really uh, fun to watch and hard to guard all in the same boat. But I really, I really thought what Kevin had told me about, you know, having that staple was really important. And, and you, I, I would say your staples are more conceptual uh, than a set. Hey, you go stand here, you go there. You've got, you can play off the elbows, you know, where it's going to be, you know, you've got some, some certain actions that everybody can depend on that. They know this is what's going on and they're all hard to guard. No, it's true. And I think you're, your scheme develops, your players teach you a lot. You start to do things. And as you watch, you kind of learn what fits, what doesn't fit, how can it all morph together? And, you know, another guy is a great friend of yours. And, you know, Brad Underwood did that for years yeah. too. And, you know, he had, I'd even had some talks when he was at Stephen F and I was at Furman, you know, he ran the same thing. You know, he's obviously morphed now that he's gone to, gone to Illinois with his, his talent level and all that. But, um, but I think those things start to teach you how you want to play and, and you're, your players teach you so much, you know, you, you, you learn. And, and I, I really like that. You know, how could we do that? How could we read, you know, this and, and kind of changing our terminology and all that. But um, no, I, I, I really like it. And, and uh, it, it's been good, but like you said, you got to keep evolving. You got to keep changing. You got to keep seeing how people are guarding you. How can you get better? What, just because you like to do something doesn't mean it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. Month. There's a lot of plays I really like that we never scored on. <laughs> I love that action. We always miss. <laughs> you know how many bright ideas you have? Like, you do, I have this bright idea to go in and try to score against Dutch's teams at San Diego State, and they just stick it. You yeah. Know, aware, and you're like, well, that was brilliant, you know? Yeah. Like that ATO I tried to run last night. Like, what was I thinking? Holy uh, cow. Yeah. Nico uh, references the bright idea. I used to be famous for uh, an assistant would want to run a play. Uh, it would go badly, and I'd turn and say, "Any other bright ideas? How do you?" <laughs> so I think, I, Coach, I used that when we were down, you know, eighteen to twenty to twenty-four. Like every time, any of you guys got any, you know, can yeah, I any bright ideas out of you guys? You, <laughs> hey, you usually I'll talk when things are going good. I don't hear anything. <laughs> it was crickets over there, Miles. Like nobody, nobody had anything for me. Broke finish is like this. Yeah, like come on, man. Like let's go. Yeah. So, um, all right, we're just gonna wrap it up here. Uh, any, so I used to be a freak about trying to, on game day, a ritual, a good luck charm. I always loved to find a penny heads up. I mean, I would drive to the McDonald's drive through and open up my door right under the window to, where they do change to see if I could find a heads up penny. Um, it, what kind of rituals are the Rams got going on? Or what kind of, uh, 
you know, do you have any idiosyncrasies that, and this is a, this isn't a tip off. This is just a cold question. Oh, that's a great, I don't know that I have, you know, on, on, on your game day routines, you know, I like to, uh, um, I, you know, I like most guys work out, you know, at some point, but I usually, what I try to do is after shoot around or walk through is over, I try to tell myself the hay is in the barn. And a lot of times, you know, I'll either, if my, if I'm at home, I'll play with my kids. I might even put my head down for 15 minutes and I try to do something, turn on some music, you know, do whatever, but I don't want to think about the game for a second. Um, and then as soon as I get to the arena and I do it, then it's, you know, it's, it's back going, but I think trying to find a way to decompress, however you do that for that hour, hour and a half, you know, a couple hours. And I think is really important um, to try to clear your mind. I I'm better. Um, we're all emotional in this, but when I'm too hopped up and I'm too emotional, I don't think clearly. Um, and so I really try to do that because I know it's going to happen in the game, but anything I can do to kind of try to calm my mind down and um, put my head down, go for a walk, listen to some music or something, you know, nothing, nothing crazy simple, but I, I try, we try to encourage all of our players to have a routine, whatever that routine is for yeah. you, you got to have a routine. Got to be able um, to do it at home in a way. Absolutely. You know, yep. So, uh, so today you make your money, boy, you go to practice and they're eating cake. You need to eat them. You need to get them <laughs> eating crumbs. You got to eat them. Got to get them. Yeah, eat crumbs. Just go out today and just like loose ball drill. Like yeah. Just, yeah. Get after them, right. Today like you make your money, dude. Get today your mentality. You your right. Yeah. You know? Get mind, right. Game, right. And, uh, uh, Another, but it's a great opportunity for all of us, you know, to, to learn. And it's so nothing about this is easy. It, it, everything about this is hard and yeah. you know you got to come out and, and flush it and another opportunity to, to test our guys from a, you know hey that one's over we enjoyed it can we come back today and again take an unemotional look at the game and figure out what we need to do and uh continue to learn more about these guys but I'll, but i'll tell you what that the, these guys have a great group of young men and they really showed showed you don't us. have a senior correct what's that no you don't no. have a senior no seniors, only three juniors. The rest are underclassmen. They're a really young group, but we've got guys who've played minutes. But boy, they're they're connected, and it's not easy to do what you did, what they did last night. And that's a testament to them of never quitting, never giving in, staying together through adversity. And um, you know, regardless of what happens, we got better uh, um, from that. And and hopefully that carries us over into Monday. It's gonna be an incredibly tough test, but let's see what happens. The country will be watching because the country watches inside the mind of Miles and they're going to want to know. Nico, best of luck, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I can't wait to see what goes on Monday. Now, this was a CBS game. So if folks want yeah. to watch it, you should be actually to go and, and, and find it somewhere. Yeah, well, actually, the, the, the one yesterday was CBS. It's FS1 tomorrow. FS1. Oh, FS1 yeah. Tomorrow. Fox is coming in with the Mountain West. Yeah, so we nice changed it. We got Fox. It. Yeah, Fox has done a little bit now with the Mountain West, which I think is really good. No, Miles, uh, appreciate you. This is the best podcast in the history of mankind. It took a step backward today. You know what I mean? It did, but but we're all we're all good. So not when you sweep the Aztecs on Monday, no problem. So I didn't say that, Dutch. Miles said that. I didn't say that. Yeah, Dutch is the best. We had him on earlier. He was great. Um, listen. Um, Kind of guy Brian Dutcher is. You, we said off camera. He reached out to you after the game. How about that? I mean, I mean it does, does that. Happen. And the only guy who called me after our debacle against St. Mary's, I found the phone and Brian Dutcher's calling me. You know, just no, I didn't up. call you. I was running away from that. One. I was like, yeah, yeah and I'm like, I don't have it in me to do that. But that's who he is. He's just one of the best people in our business. A terrific coach, and there's a terrific program. I mean, all, all the way around. So I, 
you know this, you were in the league with those guys, Fish and Dutchess. Much respect for them as anybody in this. Oh, yeah. Great people. Good luck, Coach. Our best to the Rams. I'm proud to be a CSU Rams. Yeah, that's – I used to be able to sing that song real good now. So uh, those were the days. Neek, good luck. Best to you and your family and your staff. Go get them. You too. Same coach. Appreciate you.